everyone. I'm Larissa Russell of Creative You, and I'm your host of the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Here's where we talk about the connection between creativity and healing by interviewing amazing creatives, spectacular healers, and inspiring people who have used creativity in their healing. What does it mean to be creative? What is creativity? You don't have to write a best-selling book or paint a masterpiece or even play in a rock band. Creativity is in everything that we do, in the ways we think, in the way we run a business, in our everyday lives, we are creative all the time. Let's talk about how we are creative and how creativity helps us heal mentally, physically, and emotionally, right now on the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Hi, everyone. Larissa Russell of Creative You Healing. Welcome to the Creative Soul Healing Podcast. Today, I have with me Carrie Hummingbird. Carrie, soul guide and host of Soul Nectar Show, is the number one international best-selling author of The Second Wave, Transcending the Human Drama, and the award-winning best-selling book, Awakening to Me, One Woman's Journey to Self-Love, which describes the early years of her spiritual awakening. Carrie inspires people to lead their lives wide awake with authenticity, passion, and purpose that positively impacts others. She catalyzes mind shifts that transform life challenges into gifts of wisdom. Her newest book, already a number one international bestseller, is called Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wound, and describes the most direct path to spiritual enlightenment. So welcome, Carrie. Oh, thank you so much for having me on the show, Larissa, and just so greetings to everyone who's listening. Yeah, well, I'm excited to have you. Um, I feel like I say that to all my guests, but it's so true because I love talking to people. So I am excited I get to that. have you. <laughs> so can you share some of your story in the path that's brought you here? Yeah, so I'll just share a little bit of my story in reference to your audience and, and the creativity aspect. Um, I have always been a creative soul. I've always uh, expressed myself um, through some form of creativity and in my earliest example of that, I actually wrote a little book with mice in it. And I had like the story of the mice people. And I had this whole like thing and it got printed. My parents printed it for me and everything. It was great. And then I, I was really into art. So visual art became unlocked for me in college. Like it really was a way that I realized I could express something sacred within myself that was bigger than, you know, any it maybe emotional even, and it had some big meaning for me. And I was able to use this paint and do this um, drawing to make it come out. And and I started that process of like facing things within myself when creating something on a canvas or on a piece of paper. It was like all these feelings would come up in me that would be very frustrating or like it's not the way I want it or alternatively I'd be like delighted by it like oh good this is working now like that that feeling of being in the flow or being at a block and so all of those experiences started unlocking for me through that creative expression and I actually wanted to be a professional artist for a long time I thought that's what I was gonna do but um, what happened was that I had just a lot of um, I had a lot of things I had to work out within myself, psychologically, emotionally, um, from er some early childhood trauma. And um, I feel like that art expression was a way of helping me work through some of that. It was a way of keeping me open to my higher connection, to my divine source um, through that creative expression. And I remember like I, I would spend hours like in my garden uh, when I lived in San Jose, I had this beautiful English garden at my home. And I would spend hours out there just painting roses and painting trees and painting the flowers and 
and connecting in with nature. And I would just like, that was my form of meditation. That was how I meditated was that creative expression. So I feel like that really kept me grounded in my body and connected with the earth. And it also helped open, keep my channel open, like my higher self could speak to me in those moments, like through the art. So when I had my awakening, you know, this whole time I was, I was in like weekly psychotherapy for two decades, trying to sort through these um, early traumas in my life and trying to like make my relationships work better and to be happy, just to be happy. And, um, and so when, when my life sort of like collapsed on itself, you know, and I got into that dark pit of despair, the dark night of the soul, um, I was able to then open this channel to spirit within a pretty short time. And then my new sort of creative outlet became shamanic healing, mentoring, spirituality, connecting with spirit directly. And, and I had this profound moment of reading The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. If nobody's read that book, it's such a great book. And at the Toltec philosophy, Toltec means artist of life. It means artist of the dream of life. And I realized I could be an artist of my whole life. It's not just a canvas. It's like everything in my life is a piece of art and I can be the creator of that. I can be the co-creator of that. And I had this awakening that has led me to where I am today. And so that's what I do with people now is I help people become the artists of their whole life, like beyond the canvas into like their whole life. And I believe the artistic expression is super critical part of spiritual growth. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree with that. I know through my spiritual practice and all of that, that um, creativity is such a big part of that, right? Absolutely. So what does healing with creativity mean to you? I feel like our creative expressions can be so much more than just um, like doing something. It's not just a doing. Like if you allow it to, it can actually transform you entirely on the inside. So I'll give like sort of a logical example. Um, when When I walked out of my former life and I left psychotherapy and I left the marriage that was traumatic and I left all of that behind, I um, got this message, I got this insight from my higher self that said, you're going to start writing a book. And I said, okay, what's it going to be called? It's going to be called Awakening to Me. I said, okay, what am I going to talk about? Your journey to self-love. And you're going to be honest and transparent and vulnerable the whole way through it. So in that, with that project, it was a book, right? But it was more than a book. It was actually my pathway to self-healing and to um, acknowledging like the daily synchronicity moments with spirit that was telling me what was next. It was showing me what, where to look next for the healing. So it was a creative expression. It was a book. It was creative. I was storytelling and it was a creative co-creative experience with spirit guiding me to the next thing that I needed to heal. And then I would you know, try to wrap the book up and be like, okay, I love myself now. I'm done with this book. And then the very next day, something else would happen. And I go, oh, okay. I'm not done with this book. I'm not done with my project. I could still love myself more. And then I would write about that next thing. And so it was that creative intertwining with my spirit and then expressing it, which is, you know, part of my divine purpose as a sage as well. So 
I feel like everything can be that. You could do a small little piece of art and it could be totally transformational within a week or a month or a day or an hour or two years or however long it takes, right? It's just that process of healing. Mm -hmm. And just in what you're saying there with, with having that sort of creative outlet of the writing and how that allowed you to then process through everything. And I think that's true of most creative acts, right? It, it's that processing that we do that, that's really important. Yeah, especially like, as I mentioned before, like sometimes in my experience, I've started a piece of art and I've, I've started with this feeling in my heart, like how I want that piece of art to feel or, or and to be. And maybe it's not exactly defined as to terms like exactly the finished product, what it looks like, but there's a feeling I'm going for. There's some result that I'm going for inside of myself. And until it gets there, I'm just not satisfied with it. Like, I just want to keep perfecting it, you know, and, and only now do I know that that's because I have this, you know, in my gene keys, which if if people don't know what that is, that's just a, it's a map for understanding your soul's curriculum that this genius Richard Rudd downloaded for all of humanity. It's such a beautiful gift, gene keys, G-E-N-E-K-E-Y-S. I have the gene key for judgment. And judgment is there because it it it's like a feeling of dissatisfaction, like this isn't as good as it could be. And then that leads to integrity, which is all about like making it better, like making it more integrous, making it um, like filling in those gaps that you see you see could be just so much better. And then that leads to perfection. And so, of course, we're always perfecting all the time. So there's a constant desire for perfection and everything's already perfect as it is. And so whenever I do a piece of art, that's always, I'm always in that process of like, oh, I could perfect this. Oh, I could make that green pop just a little bit more. Oh, it's not quite beautiful enough. Like there's something else I want to add to this. And maybe people can resonate with that in that artistic process of of creating something beautiful for the world. Right. Yeah. And that's an, I'm going to have to look up that Gene Keys because it's as cool. you were talking, I'm like, oh, I feel like this is something I would be interested in. <laughs> so I'll have to check that out. So what inspires you in the work that you do? What really inspires me now is when, um, when, when I, I'm working with somebody like a student or a client and, I'm, and the light bulb goes off. Like I'm able to show them or reveal like the invisible and make it visible and tangible and real. There's like this great mystery. It's like this whole life on earth seems like this huge mystery as to the hows and whys everything happens. And we can get these glimpses of the machinery that makes it all happen. We can get these glimpses of the underlying structure and we can, in that glimpse, gain some insight right? That helps us to create something more beautiful for ourselves. So when I'm able to help somebody get that insight or that realization and I see it pop, it's just as satisfying as like that color I was talking about on the canvas. It's like, oh, there it goes. Oh yeah. Oh, it popped. Oh, oh, okay. She gets it. Oh, right. You know, and, and for the moment it's like, it's like the realization is there and maybe I might have to teach that same point to that same person another hundred times before they actually can use that tool But isn't that the same as on a canvas? You know, we have to learn the rules of the canvas before we can break all the rules. And that's the same with life. We learn the rules and then we break them all with intention towards something beautiful that we're creating. And 
you know, when you talk about breaking the rules, I think that's where a lot of people get stuck, right? They get stuck in the rules of this is the way I'm supposed to live my life. This is what's expected of me. This is how, you know, what other people want me to do. And they, they don't even think about breaking those rules and, and they live miserable lives because of it. Yeah. They live. Well, the thing is, it's a shallow life. It's like anybody who's ever faced a blank canvas knows that feeling. The terror of putting something on the canvas mm-hmm. and having it um, irre- like irreversible. It's like, oh, I don't put anything on the canvas because if I do it and I don't like it, it's irreversible somehow. And I guess I have impulsivity on my side. <laughs> I've always been extremely impulsive. So, and I think that's an asset for any artist, you know, uh, creator. A little bit of impulsivity is good, I think. I think that we can all practice restraint and there's a value to restraint, but there's also a value to impulsively from your heart knowing the right course of action and just like taking the plunge and seeing what happens. Because as you know, and we, we shared some conversations before about your artwork and your process, sometimes the underpainting adds the context for the beautiful overlay the refinement that's placed on top of it. So there's there's beauty to the process. There's beauty to the early mistakes. There's beauty to, you know, screwing up and making mistakes and putting the wrong color on there and having to wipe it off and it's still on there and you can see it underneath. But you also, that adds context. And sometimes it's that very context that makes that piece so um, beautifully complex and intriguing that you dive into it visually. So the same is true for our lives. Like our whole life is that context that the further refinements is like that silver behind you, like on your painting. It's like that, that silver stands out because of all of the depth of everything that was underneath it. Yeah. And, and, and just looking at that depth, when you dare, when you dare to break the rules, you can step into that deep end of the pool, right? And what opens up to you, it's just amazing. It's, just amazing. it's a fearlessness. You can live your life without fear. Yeah. And in full authenticity, because you can live it without fear. Yep. Yeah. You can just take the risks that you need to take to open up the amazing potential, really, in front of every person. Yeah, Absolutely. So what would you say you're the proudest of in your life? At this moment, I'm feeling the proudest of being a mom and bringing both of my sons to launching. Like, I did it. Woohoo! My my youngest son is graduating high school today. He's 18. I know my work is not, like, done, done, but it is, like, I did the thing. I got them through their whole life up until now all the way through their elementary school, middle school, high school, and now he's launching into the world. And, and I'm like, okay, you know, you've learned the lessons you need to learn to be successful in life. And you know, I'm here if you have questions and I totally see that you've got it. You've got it. You've done it. And, and he really has, cause he's been my older, my older son and my younger son have both learned so many potent lessons from our family dynamics and everything that I feel like they're ready. So I feel so proud right now to be like, 
I did it without any major catastrophes. Like I was so afraid as a mom, right, of those catastrophes. Like I was terrified as a new mom, like, oh my God, I don't want my kids to like have this problem or have this, uh, uh, you know, like I was so afraid of all the things that could happen. And I'm just really grateful that, um, like I was with the canvas, fearless with the canvas, that I was fearless with my life. Like when I was called to leave their father and walk away from 20 years and I was called that it was going to be okay, somehow it would work out if I followed my heart. Like, and, and switching into a business like a soul guide and having everyone in Silicon Valley look at me and roll their eyes like this woman's lost her mind. All the things I've done to follow my heart, like that has shown my kids, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Take risks, make mistakes. That context is beautiful. So I'm really proud that both of my sons are heading out into the world, you know, maybe not with all the answers because who has all the answers, but at least with some tools and some faith that it's going to work out. Yeah. You know, it's so funny what you say about the kids and, and raising them up. And I was so proud when, like when I had two girls and so I got them out, they, you know, finished high school. They weren't pregnant. They weren't on drugs. They weren't alcoholics. I was like, okay, I did all right. They're productive human beings and they're out in the world now. <laughs> You're still always a mom, but at least now they can take that step and, and sort of explore the world on their own. And they're both doing amazingly well. So I'm like, okay, I did, I did not too bad. <laughs> yeah. And I'm, I'm proud of myself for like unclenching the fist, you know, like and it's going fly a little bird, you know, like, okay, that's my baby bird. He's going to fly out of the nest. Okay. I let him go. I trust that he knows how to flap those wings. I'm going to stand back and, and just have faith, right? It's like that letting go. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what you have to do so they can become their own person. That's absolutely it. So if you could change one aspect of our society through your work, what would that be? Uh, I would really love to encourage people to follow the beat of their own heartbeat. Like follow that drum inside Mm -hmm. and stop worrying so much about what everybody else thinks and what everybody else is doing and how everybody else says it's the right way to live. I had this beautiful teaching come out of my, um, my channeled text. I channeled this text called the second wave transcending the human drama in 2019 and it's, it's kind of a prophetic book. So, you know, if anybody is sort of feeling the urge of reading that one, it's, it has a lot of really good messages. And one of the messages is around conformity and how conformity actually is, um, it is a suppression of, of soul sovereignty, actually. And so we are in a phase of moving out of the power over matrix and into um, inner power and inner knowing and inner sovereignty which has everything to do with the artisan process because it has everything to do with um, being creative, being open, accessing your intuition, flowing with that force that's moving through you to create and express something out beautiful into the world. So the message that came through that book is look at your thumb. You've got a unique thumbprint. Each one of us has a thumbprint and they've proven there's no two thumbprints alike ever. So that to me is the proof that Each of us are designed to live our own specific soul-guided existence that's not like anybody else's. So the most important thing is to learn to trust yourself and listen to that voice within and follow it no matter where it tells you to go. And it's probably going to tell you to go opposite of some conformity 
And that's going to provoke feelings of fear and feelings of rejection and feelings of lack of worth or abandonment. All of those things are going to get provoked. And all of those things you're going to face if you become a professional artist anyway. So might as well try it out, you know, <laughs> see how you can claim your power back from that. Because as you, if you try to ever sell your art or become a professional artist, you face all of those same things as you bring it to the world. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, I was just thinking, as you were saying about how it challenges your sense of worth. And my next question then is, have you ever struggled with imposter syndrome and how have you dealt with that? Because I feel like that's probably been a thing. It's a thing for everybody, but. Oh, it's, a, oh yeah, I totally have had that. I mean, when I was doing art and, and um, seeing myself or attempting to see myself as a professional artist and art fairs and things like that, and you have to put all your slides together and you have to, all the things, right, to convince people to let you into the show and that you have quality work and. I had such comparison with other people. Like if somebody else's booth was booming and mine's and mine was empty, oh my God, the self-judgment, the self-loathing, the everything would come up for me, the grieving, the how come nobody loves what I have to say or show. And it was, oh my gosh, I struggled. My first art show, I just spent the entire time crying in the back of the booth. <laughs> so yeah, like I had serious imposter syndrome. And then when I started to do this work, you know, the, my actual purpose in the world, you know, I love artwork and I love creating art. And I, I would, I would have been happy before just creating canvases the rest of my life. But um, this opened up for me, you know, this sacred connection to spirit. And to me, like your whole life is a piece of art, right? And so as I realized that that was the greater message I was here to give, I felt like such an imposter because things were going on in the background of my life, like in my family that were, um, you know, sort of not congruent with the message I was sharing out in the world. Like I'm sharing a message of healing. I'm sharing a message of being a light worker. I'm sharing a message of like, you know, you can create your own reality and, and um, all of these things. And then in the background, you know, and my latest book is Healing the Mother Wound, right? So it's like love is fear is healing the mother wound. And in the background, you know, for the last three years or so, it got really stinky in my family. You know, my dad passed away, this mountain of unconditional love, and everybody else has been sort of like filling that gap. It's a kind of a big gap to fill. And there's been a lot of family bullying. There's been hurt feelings. There's been taking sides. There's been, you know, kind of ousting me from the family because I'm a public speaker and, you know, people have been hurt by some of the things I've said in my family and, or you can't believe you're talking about the mother wounds. How dare you, you know, talk about your mom that way. And they don't understand because they didn't read the book. So, you know, there's, there's like all of these hurt feelings. And so I'm trying to get out in the world with my message of love. And I'm like, but my family is a total mess, you know? <laughs> so like, how is this a good message? Like, this is not congruent, you know? And luckily in the last I would say um, since Christmas, I published the book in January. And since Christmas, I had this miracle happen in my family where my mom and I came back together. And now we, like the matriarchs are back together and now everything's coming back in line, right? Like everybody's coming back around. So it is working. It does work. The method works, but it's like, I put the book out with not, without knowing if that was going to happen, right? Like I couldn't be attached to the external outcome. I had to just know it within myself. And I think that's the key with the imposter syndrome is like if, you, if you're looking for the world to confirm what you know is true in your heart, you're going to feel like an imposter because it's probably not going to do that. It's probably going to be the opposite. 
until you know it in your heart and you're okay with it the way it is, like if nobody, even if nobody else ever sees it, you're good, you know it in your heart. When that happens, then the world changes. <laughs> so it's like, you have to know it yourself. Yeah, that, that is so true. I mean, we all struggle with imposter syndrome in, in one way or another. There's a few people who said they didn't, but I don't believe them. <laughs> you know, so I think it's a thing, but yes. And just knowing that that doesn't define who you are, right? Those, those disbeliefs in yourself in the moment or um, those incongruencies with what's happening in your world doesn't define you. And so being able to move forward from that is so important. And you mentioned your book, um, Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wound. Can you just talk a little bit about that? Because now I'm a little bit intrigued. with. <laughs> I haven't read it yet, and now I want to. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that book was, I published the second wave book, and I thought I was going to go on book tour. And then I got the download, no, you're going to write the next book. And I said, well, what's this one about? Because <laughs> at this point, I'm like, okay, what do you want me to write about? Love is Fierce, Healing the Mother Wound. And I thought, uh-oh, okay. And I knew what that was about, right? Because my dad had passed away. My mom and I now were faced with all of the patterns that kept us from talking with each other or really hearing each other more like, really understanding each other, feeling attacked or feeling, you know, not accepted. All those patterns were always there. It's just that my dad had always been bridging that for us. And so when he left, which was very intentional on his part as a soul, to give us the space to heal ourselves. So this is about stepping out of codependency. It's about healing generational trauma. Um, we, the mother wound has been, if you can imagine, I mean, in the news lately has been a lot of um, misogynistic things happening, right, in the culture. And, um, and a further disempowerment or an attempt to disempower women for standing up and speaking for themselves and making their own choices. So however you stand on that, um, that any of those issues, it's clear that there has been misogyny happening towards women for thousands of years. So why would anybody think that um, the mother wound doesn't exist? Because we're all birthed inside a mother. And when a woman is mistreated in the way that women have been mistreated, we all suffer because every child has to be born inside of a mother, has to be created inside of a mother. So Healing the Mother Wound book is really about exposing the paradigms that have controlled and subjugated women that we all face, whether we're in a woman's body or a man's body, because all of us come through a mother. So it's about seeing those in yourself and in the world around you. And then when you see something, you become aware of it, as we know in the artistic process, when you see something, you can change it. You can, you can shift that within yourself. So the intent of the book is to expose those patterns so that are that are kind of in the background of our collective consciousness. They're just always happening, but we might not see that or understand it until you actually see it, um, make it visible and know that, okay, that's disempowering me. And that's, that is, um, that's against my sovereignty and it's, and it's blocking love. So the goal is to increase the flow of love, right? Through this healing process. So healing the mother wound isn't about like bashing your mother and being like, oh, she really screwed me up. We're, we're not really in that victim story anymore. This book is really about going, you know what? My mother was exactly the mother I needed for my soul's curriculum 
And I not only forgive her, I'm like beyond forgiveness. I'm grateful that she was a stand for me to learn my soul lessons in this lifetime. It's beyond forgiveness. There's no need to forgive anything. It's gratitude. And I know that that is a hard message for people to hear who've, who've experienced some very traumatic things from their mothers. And so my compassion is with you as that message is received. It is a hard message to get. And that's why I lead sacred circles on the topic because people need support to get through that. It's a really hard, hard lesson. Yeah, it is. And there's, I had my own mother issues. Many of (laughs) us do. (laughs) She's been dead for, um, well, going on 20 years now, but you know, just I've come to recognize now that she was a product of her upbringing who was, her, her mother was a product of her upbringing and, and, and it is exactly that, right? Those mother wounds, those wounds that the ancestral damage that is done and, but being women, is just another layer of that. And so looking at that in a different light and yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting journey working through that because I don't have her to talk to about it, right? I can't be like, this is my thoughts and this is what I think. And so I have to do it all myself, which I think maybe it is an internal thing and you're supposed to do it yourself, but um, it's been an interesting journey for sure to work through that. Yeah. It's a journey that anyone can take, whether they, the mother is alive or not. And yes, the work, my mother is alive, but the work I did was largely in myself and in recognizing um, the mother I had created in my mind for my early childhood and healing that and releasing really deep resentments and uh, fears and frustrations and all of that, that was, um, you know, that I had never actually healed or released before and actually letting myself recognize that I had those feelings and then work through the process of validating those feelings and then healing and releasing those feelings, releasing the story. And because of that work, now my mother and I are able to be together without all that baggage. Like I don't feel the tension inside my body anymore when I see her. I used to feel this tremendous tension, like a lot of toxic energy inside my body. And like, like I thought being around her was toxic. But actually, it was just my, it was all my stuff that I hadn't healed yet that was hurting me on the inside. Because now that's gone and all there is is love. So it's it's completely changed. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can only change it through this process. And so even if your mother is passed, this work is powerful because it sets you free. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely going to have to read your book. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have an inspirational quote or a motto that you live by? Yes, I have a couple of them. These ones help me out. So for anybody out there who's like, um, gosh, people just don't seem to get it. And why are they so hateful and ignorant? And I don't you know, why is this world such a painful place? And I don't understand it. The one I love um, is... Uh, and I can't remember the exact quote, but the idea is that we are in a one-room classroom on Earth. So in this classroom, our baby souls are all the way up to ascended people, masters, right? Teachers that are teaching humanity, all in one classroom. And you can't tell by looking at somebody how old they are. So you can only tell by their behavior and their choices, 
right? So it can be so frustrating to think someone's like 70, but they're acting like a three-year-old. And like, why do they do that? How come they're like that? I don't understand because I'm like 20 and I feel like I'm older than they are. That is like the journey of the soul, right? We have some souls that are way older and some souls that are younger. And we just understand things differently because we're in, we're in different places. We're in different levels of understanding. And there's nobody better than anybody else. So that also is very frustrating. So if you just keep that one school, one room classroom in school, like in mind, you can see how it's going to take a lot of patience as an older soul to just kind of work through expectations of others. And, and then the other thing I really love too that also helps me as a healer sage is this Rumi quote, which is that we are not a drop in the ocean. We are the entire ocean in a drop. So if you are the entire ocean in a drop and you see something out there that really disturbs you and you want to change it, don't go out there to try to change that other drop right? You can go inside and heal that within yourself. And in doing so, you affect the entire ocean because you are the whole ocean in a drop. That's who you are. So it's not out there. It's in here. (laughs) And, you know, just as you're saying that, I can envision it. And I'm like, wow, I haven't heard that one. I thought I'd heard all of Rumi's, but um, (laughs) that one. I had not heard and, and I'm just like, okay, it was like this um, awakening moment for me right there. Oh, I love those moments. I told you those are my favorite moments. It's just like, oh, yes. I don't have to control my surroundings. I can just go inside. Yeah. And, and I understand that I teach that, right. It's all about the internal and what you're doing and, and worry about yourself. And, um, but just, there was just some sort of awakening that happened with that. So yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. I love that. It helps me a lot. (laughs) (laughs) I want to thank you so much for being here. I see you have a free gift for our listeners and um, the uh, love mastery game, the Oracle card game that explains the love lesson you're learning by a particular challenge. Yes. I mean, in life, in earth school, we have lots of challenges, right? Mm -hmm. So this Oracle isn't about like, what's going to happen? Tell me what's going to happen. It's more about why is this thing happening? Like, what am I working on learning that I'm blocked on? I don't understand. So this game shows you what the lesson is. Maybe you're working on compassion. Maybe you're learning about forgiveness. You know, what's the lesson? And then it tells you about what earth ally would be offering you good medicine. So for those of you who may be unfamiliar with, um, earth spirituality, um, this game opens up awareness about how everything living on earth can be an ally and it has specific medicine for you on your journey to help you. And it's not like pharmaceutical medicine. It's like heart medicine to help you to get through your life challenge. So rocks, stones, um, plants, animals, they all have beautiful medicine for us. And this game exposes that. So. Oh, that's wonderful. We'll make sure that the links are there for everybody. And is there anything else you'd like to add that we maybe haven't discussed today? I just, I think that being an artist is, um, and, and pursuing art and opening yourself to art is really a huge doorway to the divine and to that spiritual journey. So, you know, I think a lot of artists, um, as we were talking about before the show, there's like a big connection between 
you know, mental health issues and art, you know, people that are called to creativity and art and being an artist and expression. And I think that is um, very pertinent because I feel like art way, art is a gateway to your spiritual ascension. You know, it's a gateway to your soul. So um, it's going to stir up stuff because it's, it's designed to stir stuff up. And it also can be a pathway for um, coping with the stuff that's getting stirred up in your life. It could be an expression and a healing all by itself. And so um, I would really uh, just encourage everybody to avoid um, identifying with any kind of labels that you might have received from your mental health, well-intentioned um, professionals. Just put those aside and say thank you very much and recognize that you're actually on a soul journey and that that's the only thing that's happening here and you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you and you don't need to be fixed. Right. Well, thank you so much for being here again. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And to our listeners, we will see you again next week. And in the meantime, I wish for you amazingly creative days. Are you a daily journaler? Do you want more creativity in your day? We have two great creativity journals to start your day with. One for people who already have a journaling practice and one for people who are new to journaling. Both are an amazing way to start your day. Both make the perfect gift for a person in your life. Check out Have an Amazingly Creative Day and How Do I Have an Amazingly Creative Day. Both currently available on Amazon. Click the link below to purchase yours now.